0: This is a Big MX podcast brought to you by X Brand Goggles. Presented by Tech One Designs, 204 Skate Shop, West Side Honda, Capital Motorsports, Golden Tire, and TransCanada Motorsports out of Brandon, Manitoba. Motocross news from around the world. We're not experts, but we've got microphones. Check us out on the web at bigmxradio.com.
1: Chris Foster, and you're listening to the
0: Big MX Show. Welcome to the Big MX Show, brought to you by X Brand Goggles, 204 Skate Shop, Tech One Designs, as well as Westside Honda, tra- TransCanda Motorsports. I'm your host, Brad Gebhart. With me on the line is my co-host, Chris Mellon. Hey, say hello, Chris.
2: What's going on, guys? O-
0: owner and sole proprietor of 204 Skate Shop out in Selkirk, Manitoba, but on the, all the way down from uh, Spokane. Uh, we've got Chris Howell, the Triple Two. How's it going, uh, Chris? It's going good. How are you guys? Not too bad, not too bad. Just getting uh, uh, revved up on uh, the 22nd of April, uh, 2014. Ready to do an interview with uh, so, uh, one that's just coming off your, uh, your best finish as a, a Supercross Pro. How was uh, your last finish? I believe that was a 13th? I was the 15th at Seattle. 15th, 15th at Seattle. Yeah. Uh my mistake. Sorry about that. And uh what what was that like for you uh having uh some success like that? I know uh I'm not sure if I'm not sure if you made the main in, in Anaheim, but uh nevertheless, it's been a successful season for you so far.
1: Yeah, it's been good. I made um 5 out of the what eight races so far. So, I mean, it's been good uh, right now. Yeah. I'm in 21st in points and I'm going to be happy right now
0: yeah you're the first nationally or the first supercross you uh, you made was the third round uh it actually was a pretty good f- uh, finish for you i believe that was a uh, a 16th place position at uh, anaheim one and uh yeah great great ride so um where uh you you're from uh spokane is that uh, like you're born and raised um is that where you do all of your training out of yeah for the most
1: part i'm born and raised in spokane and um I, in the winter, I go down to California and train for Supercross and stuff like that. So then, when Supercross goes heads east, I, I come back home and just do some local races like Arena Cross and the local National Series we have here.
0: Excellent. Uh, so what what are your plans for uh, for for going outdoors? Like I know like we'll, we'll touch on your Supercross uh, series and um, and and finishing off that. But uh, what are your plans for to go forward uh, after Supercross wraps
1: up? Um. Nothing's completely solid here yet, but I'm planning on probably doing just the the West Coast Nationals, which would be like Glen Helen, Hanktown, Colorado, Washougal, and Pocatello, Utah, so the five West Coast ones, and then just local races here in Washington that fill in all the all the empty weekends.
0: Fair enough. Uh <laughs> so uh how would you grade your season you've this is i believe your fourth year as a as a pro you turned pro in 2010. how would you grade your season as a pro so far um, uh, you've got uh, some you, you said you've made uh six uh, f- five out of the eight um, super crosses and uh, you've had v- various degrees of success uh, how would you grade it so far
1: um good I mean it's the best I've done so far but I still still want to be better that's for sure.
0: Did you have some uh, some goals coming in, like maybe a, a certain position that you hope to uh, to rise to, or got uh, a, a total number of points that you were looking forward to? Uh,
1: my goal is coming in just to make names, and then um, about halfway through the season, I say like my goal became to get a top twenty in points. So right now I'm sitting twenty first, just one point out of twentieth. So I think it's a very very feasible goal, and so I go put a good finish in Vegas, and what happens happens.
0: Yeah, in the past Vegas has been an invitational event. It isn't anymore after a couple of years of uh, not having uh, full gates in uh, in the two fifty class. Uh, are you excited to to race in uh, in Vegas?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm pumped. I mean, I raced here before, like last year to four six and stuff. So I mean, it's not a new stadium for me, okay. but I'm excited to go out there and um, to get into the night show, which is also getting in the main SB top twenty two in time, and the last. I think five weekends. I raced in the West Coast. Well, I was top twenty-two in time, so I don't think that's going to be a real issue there. I'm just it's kind of exciting to get directly into the main instead of having to go through heats and stuff. I mean, take that worry out of it.
0: Yeah, I I, I completely agree. I think uh, you've you've shown some serious speed this year on the 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 two two two. Uh, any any reason why you picked that number, or you're just a, a really big um,
1: uh, curly? Caroli's curly fast. My amateur career I was two zero one my whole career and then um when I went to go term pro someone had that number already so okay. they they just signed me two twenty two and it looked good and pretty pretty good and people I think people recognize recognize it probably for sure and helps give me a little bit more publicity that way too
0: definitely uh so who's helping you out for throughout this year like uh like um i didn't know that you were actually racing on the the like uh, trying to make mains on the 450 class as well um do you, do you did i did i hear you correctly there correctly there
1: um last year it was 450
0: okay right 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 <laughs> uh so who's yeah. been helping you out i
1: have quite a list of people for me to rant on but uh um, that's fine i for racing is a local team uh, uh Washington has opened another a few riders, and they, they're my main sponsor right now. And um specialty Rec- Recreation and Marine, Duval, RF Motorsports, Sports, JMC Motorsports, Sports, HRMC, Access Electric and Heating, Dillon Designs, All Balls, Asterix, uh, Cold Clock, Grower Camps, Days Bar and Grill, DT1, Dunlop, DBS, Evans Cooling, Fly, FMF, Fusion Graphics, Garnet, Guts, Hubert um, LeVay Racing, Liette, Vika Metals, Loto Concepts, Loto Rex, ODI, Peters Hardware, Real Cameras, Recluse, uh, Snap-on Racing, Streamline Brakes, uh, The Man Shops, Torque One, Vitalire, VP, uh, and then 100% Goggles
0: wow quite the list and that's uh yeah that, that, all of those working parts put you on the track and um what was your your mindset coming into this season uh like obviously you you had a a full full off season off season to prepare uh you raced uh the local series uh up, up in near near spokane um you're uh you, what uh, right at, what around at at what, around what time do you come uh, to California and start throwing down motos at uh, Milestone?
1: This year I came around the middle of December. I mean, I like to come down earlier. I just didn't have anything done for sure. i stayed in a lot of bikes. I was running and stuff. So I didn't get a bike until beginning December. Then we had to get that all set up and modded out. So I didn't get, get to head down to California until middle of December.
2: Fair enough. Um, so what? Uh, so here, like when you're growing up, right like riding the 250 and 450. Which one do you like riding more? Like, do you spend most of your time riding the 450, or do you spend a lot of laps on the
1: 250? Um, usually I use practice on a 450, especially when I'm at home riding. You're, you're kind and of a stuff. big dude. I am. I'm. I'm 175 pounds. I mean. And a lot
2: of other kids on TPS. So, Shannon, has it been that way pretty much all through your amateur career? Like, you kind of, with your size, did that make you kind of hop off of the little bikes and the mini bikes up to the bigger bikes quicker? Uh, or did you kind of stick around and be that, like, you know, the bigger guy on the little bike type of thing?
1: Yeah, I, I think I probably moved up a little bit. I mean, I got on the big bikes when I was 14, so it's a little, a little, little earlier than everybody else, I think. But, I mean, a little bit bigger but I think it does in Supercross allows me to track like the wolf or attack the wolf section and stuff better I mean that's where I gain a lot of time and I think it's one of my strong points
2: and did you see uh, um, so riding these tracks like did did you ever go up to Canada because I see uh, you had plans to come up and do some nationals here have you ridden any of the BC tracks growing up in Washington
1: um, the only t- only track I is Nanaimo, and I did two years ago. The I'm Nationals sorry to hear that. Super much, just super mudfest and wasn't any fun. <laughs> well, yeah, that's no, about
0: I- as much fun as that track can be, because I'm not sure if you got a good sense of the soil there, but it's basically uh, uh about as rocky and 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 gnarly as you can get. So uh, yeah, it's um uh like are you are you planning on doing any of the Canadian Nationals this year?
1: I've thought about it just it depends on if I can get support to do it, you know, I mean for sure. It costs money and stuff like that. I know the payout's not too great up there, I mean, so just just looking for support to do that. If I I mean if something came along I definitely would would think about it for sure, I wouldn't turn it down.
0: Like uh is that have you sh- have you gotten any interest from any uh different or some, some more uh, some more support with uh the, the better um the better resorts that you've gotten so far?
1: Um, nothing as of yet. I mean I think people are waiting to see how the Supercross winds down and then just seeing you know, kind of budget people have left. So I mean nothing came about yet, but I still uh hopefully something right.
2: And do you find yourself you're just as comfortable outdoors, or uh, did you grow up riding Supercross? You know, so uh, can you expect the same results when we go into the outdoors?
1: Yeah, I would think so. I mean, I grew up riding outdoors, and everyone does, you know. I think Supercross comes a little easier for me. I just I enjoy the technical, technical, technical type of riding, but I mean, I still, still have fun and do well outdoors.
0: Uh, coming from uh, Spokane, you must have looked up to Rich Taylor growing up. <laughs> I
1: don't even know
0: who that is. Don't even know who Rich Taylor is. Perfect. Um, he actually owns. Uh, he owns X brand goggles. Uh, he's formerly as his his parents actually started uh, Smith goggle Smith Optics back in the day. But he was uh, a long time professional. Um, Both, uh, I don't think he ever rode for a factory team, but he was a factory test guy, still tests for uh, uh, I think he was Dirt Bike Magazine. But nevertheless, I'll let him know that uh, um, one of the the up and comers from his uh, his hometown doesn't know who he is. So that's good. That's
1: gonna make me look sad. That's fine.
0: That's (laughs) fine. Um, But who who did you look up to uh, growing up? I know uh, coming through the ranks. uh, You're how old? I'm
1: 22.
0: 22, so you're 91. Uh, who did you look up to uh, as you uh, came through, like on 80s and, and 65s and 80s and, and making your way onto the big bikes?
1: I mean, as a looking towards Supercross and stuff, I always looked up to McGrath. I mean, he was the best of that time, for sure. Yeah. And then, um, then it was Carmichael after that. But locally, um, I mean, Jimmy Lambastas and Sean McAllister, and then we're pretty much the local fast guys around here.
0: Yeah, Lamas, that's a name that uh, gets pulled back from the late nineties even. Uh he was uh that guy could rip. I don't know if you've ever watched those children of a metal god videos, but uh, that guy could haul haul some serious ass.
1: He was definitely he was definitely a ripper.
0: For sure. He was the ripper before the ripper was the ripper. Uh <laughs> So you've you've been to uh, Loretta Lynn's uh, like uh, a couple of different times uh, throughout your career uh, as as an amateur, both on the sixty five, the eighty five, and some super mini, um, various degrees of success. Um, what was it like going to uh, like traveling all that way to uh, to compete at, uh, at the amateur nationals? And what kind of success did you have locally?
1: I definitely wasn't people around that. I with there's a few. Do one of them back to like Seattle area, but Spokane area for sure there wasn't wasn't anyone. So I mean, I definitely had to travel to get some competition. So when I did travel, like the Loretta's and stuff, it was definitely gnarly. I mean, tracks are not tracks like nothing that I have over here. We don't we don't get much ruts or roughness for sure. So I mean, traveling to an amateur national, that was definitely hard to get used to. when your 20 minutes of practice, you got on the track. Fair enough like as a
0: as a privateer um, what what would you say is the biggest disadvantage that you uh, find yourself at or what what are you up against uh, as a privateer against the, uh, the the 450s or the the, uh, the these full-on uh, factory bikes uh, that uh, you have to overcome out there and when what what would be the most important thing for you to put into your program to improve well
1: I think just this- being a sure. The disadvantage we definitely have is the bikes. I mean, we do the best we can, and we just we don't have the knowledge that the factory guys have, like what to do from track to track with suspension or changing the motor to make it work better from track to track and stuff like that. And then just we spend most of the time traveling from race to race, so we don't get really that good of practice and stuff throughout the week. I mean, that's what.
0: Sorry, you, you're breaking up a little bit. Is there a is there a better spot in the house that you could go to? Sorry? Is this? Sorry. Is uh, A little bit.
1: Yeah. Sorry about that. Not a problem. Well,
0: um, yeah, it's uh, it's uh, working with cell phones over the internet. It's uh, it's lots of fun, but uh, nevertheless. Um, so like how do you travel to E Trace? Are you in a are you in a, a box van or are you in a just a, a regular uh panel van or what what are you in?
1: Um in Supercross I was running a, using my box van, but I recently just got a sprinter van because we got a super good deal on it and it's killer
2: gas mileage. So we
1: went that route and we're gonna be in a sprinter from here on out.
2: Yeah, so does it have a custom two 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 wrap yet, or is it just claiming all white status still? It's plain white status right now. Well, you got to get on that. Get on one of your sponsors and tell me. Need to wrap that thing and traveling all across the world. You know. I know. I got to get on that and start to
1: start to try to make connections there. right?
2: Well, and it's not just use a sharpie and like draw some pretty pictures. At least something people can look at while you're driving across the country.
1: That's a good idea. I mean, they yeah, make I a mean, different color sharpie, so it'll still look good.
2: Well, yeah, make it just a big coloring book and you know people can sign it and or make it two bucks to sign the van and you'll pay for your fuel all the way across the country. It's a good
1: idea. I'm gonna have to look
2: into that actually.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh what's it uh what what where are some of the, the tales of the of the uh the road uh from the two thousand and fourteen season? Any close calls in terms of uh tired driving or uh who do you switch off with you and your girlfriend or?
1: Uh that was my sister. Oh, um she went to she was actually my mechanic at all the races, she pretty much held my bike and wow doing it all low key, so it was good. Nice.
0: Right. Brother and sister band out um, on the road together. Uh like um do you get any time to to, to ride during the weeks? Like I guess you did all of the, the Western series, so you're you're kind of uh you're able to stick in around California and those rounds, but otherwise uh like do you get to ride much?
1: Um here at home, the weather's just starting to get good enough that I can actually go out and ride during the week, but when I got home in February, it was still snow on the ground, so it couldn't really do much.
2: So does this, uh, you're, like, saying that your your sister comes to the races and helps you? like, that's awesome. Like, your whole family's obviously involved in the sport. Like, um, did, you, did your sister race at all, or your dad at all? Or like, how did you get brought into this?
1: Yeah, I grew up racing, got me and my sister into it, and... um yeah my sister races and still does. she actually was um in two thousand four she was she got fourth at the waterable women's national in the pro class Wow, nice, so she was actually really good at it and then um she you pitboard
0: did you pitboard pit for her
1: <laughs> i did not i did not my dad did that okay but um then she was actually in a serious accident right after that and just rides for fun now pretty much
2: no that's us uh, yeah like thats unfortunate with motocross is pretty much everyone injuries are more of a when thing not a if thing but yeah no that's uh it's good to see the whole family out there and motocross really being a family sport it's not rare that it comes from a whole kind of you know dad race whole families out there on the weekend type of thing
1: yeah that's one good thing about motocross it is a family sport and what other sport can you see families together from a child that's four year olds all the way till they're Twenty-two,
0: you know, right? And uh, yeah, like you said, it's a very family sport, and uh, and it's 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 very important to keep the fun in it. Uh, was that something that was pretty key for you growing up? Like when did when did Morecross start to get serious, and uh, that you 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 knew you were going to start to go after these, uh, the, like uh, doing the whole amateur thing? Did you get homeschooled at all, or?
1: Um, I was homeschooled my last two years of high school. That was mostly because my dad we had to move to Seattle and do so my dad could do a job. Okay. Over there. So that's the main reason I actually did get homeschooled. But um I mean I was I was starting to take it seriously around when I was probably fourteen or something like that.
0: Right on. Um so like uh what are your what are your goals for uh the your your s the, the series? Like um obviously you want to finish strong. I think uh like fifteenth is your, your highest finish so far, uh, and you'd probably like to uh to, to do even better than that in, in Vegas. Uh but going forward, like obviously uh you wanna you wanna do better in the uh the outdoors, but is there a, like a, a position in mind or you just wanna you wanna be able to score points in all your motos? Yeah,
1: outdoors I think my main goal is just to score points at every moto, so get top 20 every moto, and then um, get enough points to get a national number for next year.
0: Do you know if you're uh, you're in the running for that yet? I think you should, you should be.
1: Um, Based off of last year, I mean, 14 points got a national number, so I have 20 right now. So yep. if you base everything off of last year, I should be good. But it just depends on who scores points and how many points they all score this year. Fair enough. So it's hard to tell until... The whole series is
2: over. Well, for sure. And so, so going into Seattle, where you qualified right out of the heat with the seventh place, uh, there was quite the crash rate in front of you there. You had kind of front front uh, row seats to it. Um, those whoops, like the kind of whoop section before the finish line there, was there like a gnarly kicker halfway through? Because it seemed like everyone's front end would just drop and like it led to a lot of issues. Uh, in that little section before the finish line there? Like, was it that gnarly, or was it just bad luck?
1: Um, They were a little uneven. So, I mean, I think that gave people some problems. I didn't have any real issues with them, but them being uneven, I think, surprised people, and they just weren't prepared for the front of the drop, and I think that's what gave them
2: all the issues. Yeah, it kind of looked like, you know, first lap, so they haven't hit him at speed yet, and it looked like there was, yeah, a little bit longer of a gap in between the middle there, but did you see that crash happen? kind of looked like you checked up a little bit? Yeah, it kind of happened, like, right
1: right in front of me to the the right, so uh, so I was on the left, luckily, so I was away from the carnage, I was trying to pass him anyways, so I wasn't following, but, um, I kind of saw it, it was my buddy Ryan Brees, actually, he's from Apple, Idaho, just Dirty minutes for me. And uh he cut some oil crash, and he messed up and tried to hit his bike in one of the bars and it was pretty naughty, actually.
2: Well yeah, and at least it led to uh some slow mo T V time for the both of you guys.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean he got he definitely got some good T V time and I was right there right there Not
2: beside him. Well, and for him, probably not the thing that you want to be known for uh, on TV is uh, a cool bail going before the finish line, you know?
1: Very true. But, I mean, in Phoenix, I landed on by, um, oh, uh, crap. And that was actually replayed quite a bit. It was on um, some commercials for some of stuff, too.
2: I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, so that's gonna feel good. Did it hurt every time you watched the commercial? Still, like
1: you, a little bit. I was definitely sore after that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, and like that's also an opportunity for Ralph Shihim to have to learn your name. So I think I think he got it by the about halfway through the 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 West series, which is good.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's kind of cool that Wyndham was pointing out some stuff too. I mean. When a guy like that is you knowing your name and telling you that you do good to the whoops, that's that type of good deal, right?
0: No kidding. Yeah. And actually, yeah, that was something that, that you bang. looked like you were struggling with a, t- a tiny bit that day in milestone. You seem to have gotten it figured out. Uh, but those milestone whoops, uh, do, do any whoops quite get as cupped out as those things?
1: It just depends on the track. But they were definitely cupped out on that day. You had to come into them super fast to even stay on top of them.
0: Uh, but is is there a a local Supercross track, or do you have a compound that you ride at uh, at home to uh, to hone your skills in Supercross? Or
1: no, there's no Supercross tracks around, and close to track in my house is about 20 minutes away. So when I do want to go do Supercross, I have to drive down to California.
0: Fair enough. So uh, uh, safe to say you might be a little bit rusty come gate drop at uh, at um, in Vegas, or will you do some practicing beforehand?
1: Oh, I'll be ready. No worries.
0: Not worried whatsoever. A, a picture of, com- uh, of 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 confidence. Um, Just riding dirt bikes. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. So, are are we gonna we're gonna are we gonna see a hop on the four fifty for the outdoors, or are you gonna stick to the two fifties that all around?
1: Um, I'm, I was planning on racing four fifty. I got to get one first, but that was the plan to ride four fifty outdoors.
2: So uh, if you, if you don't have an answer, you're going to scoop up a four fifty, get your sponsors to help you out and hope to bust the top 20 out there and make a splash for yourself. Um, do you see, uh, anything coming up for next year, changing the program at all? Or are you going to still keep rocking it and hope to make more of a splash next year? Um,
1: I mean, looks right now, it looks like I'll probably still be on the little, the barn pros team that helped me out a little bit this year. And, um, Probably run quite about the same program if nothing else changes.
2: Christian, sure. do you see doing more 450 rounds in Supercross or sticking to the 250?
1: Um, I'll definitely stick to the 250 West. I had good success, and I think next year I want to have even higher goals and see if I can build from there. And then hopefully maybe ride some 450 East Coast if it comes out
0: have you uh have you given any thought to riding uh of the 450 uh, like if you if say if you had some extra uh funds to uh to travel and go do the uh the east rounds have you thought of doing any of them on a 250f because i know uh uh kyle peters did that uh in the in the during the uh, west rounds um what would be so like obviously being down on power is not something you'd want to do but uh, is that something that you'd ever explore it
1: would definitely be something to look into if I could get the punch together to go out and do that. I mean, I think it'd be good practice. To just keep on riding and racing supercross throughout the year. Just getting to the rounds because he's so spread out. I think that would be the, the expensive part.
0: Right, exactly, and I think uh, like I think one of the things that I don't know if it really played into to Kyle's uh, favor because he's he's had a pretty lackluster uh, East Series. But uh, if you were able to uh, really get that bike dialed in and be in your groove and maybe race uh, race 250 on the East Coast rather than the West, um, you, you'd be coming into that series, I think, with a with a bit of an upper hand in terms of uh, your own bike setup and kind of being in that race pace.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, do some racing in the 450 West and then go race 250 East. I think you would be a little bit more prepared racing-wise.
0: Right on uh so how does uh how does Chris Howell get himself prepared on race day? uh everyone's different, and everyone's got their own routines uh do you have anything special that you do? Do you listen to music? if so, what kind of music do you listen to?
1: really, I don't do much. I just try to be prepared the day before, so I don't have to worry about anything on Saturday and um just try to relax throughout the day and not not get too amped up you know just try to be low-key and hang out and go out and do my best
0: so you're not you're not bopping around the the pits like uh like one adamantik nap uh signing uh sandwich wrappers
1: i'm not i'm not just just try to stay in my pit and just hang out that's about it
0: visualize get get yourself ready to go um with, uh, with it being time qualifiers uh, th- throughout the practice, is that something that falls into your uh, your strength? Like, are you one to be able to throw down a heater, or uh, do you just take that time to practice the track and um, uh, like and basically just um, l- learn the track before uh, you-, you make the night show? Um, a
1: little bit of both. I mean, I used to first practice to definitely learn the track and the rhythms and then try to go out and throw down some heaters. Heat laps, but I have you too good at that. Immediately, the guy who could throw down ten consistent laps instead of one fast one—if that makes sense—yeah,
2: for sure. And and do you see in qualifying in Supercross being the two fifties is just you know a heat and a last chance? Do you think it'd benefit from having maybe heat semis and then a last chance, or pretty much leave it how it is? Like, do you think that would add to the night, or would it just be? kind of negative, like, too much track time.
1: Um, I think there's plus and minuses to both of them. I think it gives... I think the having, like, the four have semis and stuff, I think that gives the privateers a little bit more chance to make it into the main. Yeah, very Because, sorry. for the most part, out of the heat races, all the factory guys are pretty much qualified, you know? So I think it gives them an opportunity, privateer-wise, an opportunity to race against
2: the other privateers and maybe guys yeah, on a couple teams of on the factory teams. Yeah, okay. a couple of top guys are out already. And even yeah, I think that would lead to better starts all around for privateers. You know, you're going into that race not lined up against, you know, say, you know, the Andersons and Seales of the world and stuff. So, you know, you'd kind of yeah. go in there already in a better headspace thinking, I got this. But, uh, no, I think that'd be really interesting because this year it seems like the semis lead to some better racing sometimes in the 450 class than the, the heats where one guy kind of gets a good start and walks away with it.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. I think I, I totally agree with you. I think the heats, people, more people know they can win it, you know, instead yeah. of I know I can win
0: yeah, and also the, with, with the semis you end up getting guys who can uh, go on the up on stage and rattle off their uh, their sponsors and get their sponsors known uh, when uh, otherwise they wouldn't be able to like say if you're a regular uh, a fifth sixth guy in the, in the heat race um, or yeah in the heat race you wouldn't uh, otherwise get the opportunity to have your sponsors read off read out loud Yeah,
1: for sure. I think that's good. Good for the sport. I mean, we need to give recognition especially outside sponsors because that's the only way to make sponsors and more money into it.
2: No, that's the truth. And, and you think it might even lead to, you know, everyone kind of seems like once you make a main event, it's easier to make the next one. Once you make a podium or top ten, like Kind of each level, once you make it there, it seems easier to achieve next time. Do you think maybe that feeling of being up on the podium would kind of give them that confidence to run a little faster with the guys, you know, kind of more feel like one of the guys up there?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's all about confidence, and if you, if you believe you belong on the podium, I mean, it'll definitely give you the upper edge in the next race.
2: Um, so with the 450, with all your sponsors, like they seem, they're down, they know you want to possibly get one and get started on that like when do you plan on moving up to the 450 class from the 250s kind of if everything goes right or do you plan on sticking around and just making a name for yourself in the 250 class rather than maybe moving up to the 450 class and collecting some bigger paychecks for making main events type of thing like you're going to stick around in the 250 class for a couple years and maybe try to get a better ride better program
1: yeah I mean I think if you can and go out.
2: Oh, I think you're cutting
1: putting out. Good. I want to go out there and put in good finishes because I'm 22 years old and I think going out and putting in finishes will be better than collecting a bigger paycheck at this point in time. True. Uh, listen to these commercials, it's probably pretty good, I guess.
0: So, do you like stuff, or possibly things? How about a huge selection of motocross and street bike gear from apparel brands like Troili Designs, Alias, Icon, and Power Bands, every single color you can think of. How about 25 years of custom suspension and motor service for a full service shop, all of which you can find at Capital Motorsports. Mention this Big MX podcast to receive a VP gas can with Spout for only $40, as well as 100% off your next set of motocross tires. Just kidding, we can't back that up, but ask for about it anyway. Check out Capital Motorsports at 157 St. Anne's Road, Winnipeg, Manitoba, or call them not-so-toll-free at 204-237-6686. Make your way down to Westside Honda Polaris and check out the brand new Honda Grom, Honda's revolutionary 125cc fuel-injected mini-moto ultimate weapon, a must-see for all motocross enthusiasts. From the Grom to the usual suspects like the CBR600RR, CRF450R, Westside Honda Polaris of Selkirk, Manitoba has you covered. Check them out on the web at westsidehonda.ca, call toll free at one 482-7782
2: Boom Westside
0: My new toy I tell her,
2: don't worry
0: Just a little old two-wheeler I don't worry Till I get a whiff of a dirty me Don't get next to her till I get next to Lifeboy Lifeboy cleans dirt Cleans sweat Kills odor, all of it. Got enough deodorant to keep the clean smell going. Mm. Now she can start worrying. Deodorant Life Boy keeps the clean smell going. So uh, on on race day, you said uh, that you're... uh, your sister's uh, working on the bike as well as uh, ho- like uh, getting her getting it uh, ready for you to race. Uh, how, what does she do to get you uh, to get you pumped up or get you accept- like uh, in the in the right frame of mind to go race Supercross?
1: Well, pretty much, I work on my bike and she just holds it at the line. if that makes sense. She um she's just there to support me and she she does the best she can and I really don't think she does much or helping me get pumped up. She just, <laughs> she probably does just hold my bike and tells me good luck and then asks me if I need anything, and it works well. I mean, there's, there's it feels like there's less pressure that way, you know?
0: Absolutely. You seem to be uh, like a, a kind of guy who doesn't need a whole lot to uh, to really perform because you imagine all of the guys that uh, are at the beck and call of some of the guys who are only even 10 spots ahead of you. Um they're uh, they've got a whole lot more at their disposal, both disposable, and uh, you're uh, you're you're just a tick off of that. So that's uh, definitely a feather in your cap. Is that something that you take uh, take a lot of pride in?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I looked at practice times at Seattle. I think if I, I dropped like a second, I would have been top ten in times. So go. I think I mean a second's not very much, really. I mean, I think I can do that, and I think just being dad riding out of the back of the van throwing in a lot of times they are good with the guys who are under semis. I think that's pretty respectable and I'm, that's my goal really.
0: Exactly. And, that, and that's why we wanted to have you on the show to recognize the, uh, the, the, the results that you've been putting in on, uh, a pretty, uh, like it's, it's, a, a modest program. Um, do you do your own, do, like, do you be, you, you must train yourself like in terms of, uh, fitness wise. What do you do to p- prepare? Like, uh, do you, are you on the road bike? Do you do a lot of, uh, like weight training in the gym at all? Or, or what, uh, what does that all entail?
1: Um, I really do a lot of cardio. I try to stay away from weight because like I said before, I'm a, bigger guy yeah. I don't want to bulk up anymore, so i I try to stay mostly cardio and um just ride my bike and ride the road bike and call it good
2: and so yeah, we were talking to Jimmy Dakotas on one of these, and he's saying he thinks that you know making the step from the privateers up to the next step, you benefit more from having a nutritionist say or you know you kind of get some money to get a trainer together and a track and all that fun stuff like. Do you think that's um, – how much would that help you? Like, you think making to the next step, would it be more the training nutrition program that would benefit or more bike testing? And, I mean, obviously, you wrenching on your own bikes can't be the funnest thing, and it's got to cut into your training and riding time. So you think you'd more benefit from the mechanical aspect of it or more the structure of the whole program?
1: I think a little all, I mean, I think it's, for me, part of the program – Equals to better performance if it's the bike, if it's the training yeah. and it's nutrition I think everything has It's part and I think I think Nikos was totally right about Training, having someone Knowing what he is doing And telling you this is what you eat This is what you do, you cycle for this long And you rest for this long That's definitely beneficial I mean it's you your body working 100% The way it's supposed to But then I think The bike setup. And all that also has as equal importance.
2: Well, for sure. And I think it's it's as much maybe like everyone kind of knows what to do. And like you said, you got your cardio program down. You know that you don't have to do a lot of weights, you know, being a bigger dude. And I'm sure that's not an issue throwing the 250 around. So I think you think it's maybe more the reassurance that you're doing everything right. Or just like this guy's got a degree in this. He's telling me I'm doing it right. So then it just kind of adds to the confidence level as much.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, having a guy tell you that you're doing everything right and you're as fit as you can be at this point is reassuring. And um, knowing you're doing it correctly is a big thing. I mean, as a privateer, we go out and oh, we need to go cycle four hours today. Maybe we're actually overtraining. Yeah. True. Who, who knows? And, I
0: don't. Yeah, like no, a, really. a lot of times, there's been um, like uh, criticism in the past of guys getting basically uh, training, or like, or people will say, "Are we training for the Tour de France, or are we uh, training for for motocross?" And uh, to find that razor's edge of of how hard to go without going too hard uh, has to be a daunting task, especially when uh, the pressure's on to perform. Yeah,
1: for sure, and I know like. If you had the money to tr- to get Alden Baker, as know, you would be a you know you would have the best program.
2: So, so it, oh, You're kind of cutting out.
1: I just I just know it would help to have like a guy like Alden telling you what to do and what to eat and how much to eat, you know.
2: For sure, and I and I do see that too. Like you think. Some of these guys, like the motocrossers mentality is always like, go harder and you'll go faster. And maybe if I train more, I'll be faster on the weekend. But if you do look at some of those Tour de France guys, they don't do shit. They sit on a couch for a month after that race to recover, you know, and pretty much the Supercross schedule is like 17 races and 18 weekends. That really doesn't leave any time for rest, being with all the travel and you know, I'm sure you're up driving all night rather than resting. And, yeah, that's got to lead to uh, to just a different program than these guys are used to.
1: Yeah, that's one thing I'm hard about Supergirls and motocross is We really don't have enough. We Mm-mm. ride every weekend, or we race every weekend. We ride throughout the week. Sometimes you we race every really have... the same uh, weekend. Yes, for sure. And I just... It makes it tough. I mean, when, when do you rest? When do you train? When do you ride? And then, how do you know you're doing it all right, you
2: know? Well, for, for sure, and we all know that with motocross comes injuries, and so you get injured from one weekend, you're not going to have the correct time to heal, and you're kind of just going to drag that injury along, which might lead to another one, you know? And it's such a hard sport. Yeah, lots of people don't realize... You get signed on to a major sports team and with that comes a trainer, a training facility, all these things. And in motocross, you get a contract and you got to spend all that money building a track, buying a tractor, fuel, water truck, you know, and that's what you need to make the next step. So, I mean, it's just so hard. Nobody realizes, you know, you don't get any rest. you got to hustle just to make it to the next weekend rather than worrying about actually being an athlete. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's one thing that having have trainers would be beneficial in having that, that sport team that have trainers and gyms and stuff. I mean, the guys who do get a contract and are lucky enough to get on a team and get that big salary, but like you said, it costs them a lot of money to keep their program going.
2: So, and, uh, sorry? For, go ahead, Chris. I was like, do you see that changing in the sport? Like, it's obviously getting more exposure, getting live TV coverage on Fridays and, or Saturday nights, you know, that got that's gotta mean that people are watching and people are paying attention. Um, like on your level, do you see anything changing at the ground level around the sports that you could see kinda of like a boom coming, or do you see kind of everything going on as usual?
1: Honestly, I don't know the answer to that question. <laughs> that's a that's a tough one. Um, I you have no clue if there is going to be any change or not. I do believe that the best change at the pro tier standpoint would be the AMA paying us better because it would yeah. allow us to fly to the races, you know, and get the rest that we need to instead of staying up and driving all night.
0: Right, that's and true. that's, uh, <clears throat> just to, to max out pro payout, I think there's, a, there's one specific weekend that I'm thinking of that I think you raced, was it the Hangtown National and then drove through the night Missed your first practice and then raced uh, up up in, near Spokane. Can you tell us a little bit about that weekend?
1: Yeah, that was last year. We um, rode in town and decided to race the Sunday race at Airway and in Spokane. And just me and my buddy drove all night and got up and raced. We didn't get up and raced. We showed up and raced.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, and, you, uh, you guys literally rolled in uh, after, Like it was like you had missed your practice, did you not?
1: We missed the first practice, and luckily, it was my hometown track, so I kind of knew what the track was. So, yeah. a few motos and some money. So, I mean, definitely made it worth it. Um,
0: one of the things that like uh, kind of got uh, is like I don't want to talk too much about Jimmy Dakota's, but uh, one of the things that got him a little bit in trouble with the social media side of things is when he uh, he broadcast uh, what the, you guys get for uh, pro payout, and uh, some of the the AMA officials were upset with that. And uh, to, in my th- way of thinking, um, I think that if they're if if the uh, if the AMA is um, embarrassed or upset that uh, riders are releasing their, their pro payout, um the only answer to that is to increase it.
1: Yeah, I mean if someone's actually mad that we're saying how much we make, I mean that's that means there's a problem there part of it. You
0: know what I mean? Yeah, I
1: mean they should be, hey look how much our guys are making type deal, you know? I mean we shouldn't be I mean riding a life spike if you make the night show, it be two hundred and eighty dollars. You have a two hundred dollar entry fee. Yeah. You get a $50 mechanics pass. That's a profit of $30 to get to the next race. That's tough. It's it's pretty pathetic, and I think I I totally think that everyone should know how much we're making because you have the average guy and their fans thinking we're all making hundreds of thousands of dollars at races in cross because that's how it's portrayed.
2: Yeah, and in reality, if you make the night show, you have enough to pay for your entry fee, buy a hot dog, and replace a set of grips on your bike, and hope that's the only thing that, you know, you blew out. Yes, I mean,
1: I honestly think it's quite sad for a professional sport how much you make.
2: No, dude, it's terrible, and, you know, I, me, it's, like, it's all about numbers. If you think of how many people are in the stands, like, 55,000 or some of them, and, there's a $280 payout like that's just not cool if you take five cents from each one of those and give it back that would you know do the hugest increase and even charge a buck or two extra and be like this is going all towards purse you want to pay it or not I'm sure most hardcore fans would pay a dollar and that's potentially 55 grand for privateers you know what I mean like the the yeah, numbers I mean, are there. Yeah, they can have like a fan donation thing, a thing and like you know?
0: however much you, know? you wanna give. Yeah.
2: I mean if everyone gives a yeah, dollar I mean, then every privateer can go to every round no problem, you know? Yeah. There's definitely ways to fix it. There's someone has to stand up and do it,
1: you know? Because the race can be better you would have privateers sitting longer instead of twenty to go to the job but You know, do better racing, faster people, if they did pay better. Do you do any
0: uh, schools to uh, subsidize your income in the summertime?
1: Yeah, I do some training, and I actually work on people's bikes and stuff like that to try to make it the next races. Mm -hmm.
0: Uh, If there's any uh, riders in and around the Spokane area who happen to be listening to this, uh, how can they get in touch with you?
1: Um, You can hit me up on Facebook or or email me at Racing
2: at So do you see that as something you want to keep doing in the future, or is it just kind of a thing that, you know, like you're saying, keep your racing, keep you on a dirt bike, and, you know, in the industry, do you see yourself continuing with uh, teaching schools in the future?
1: Yeah, I think so. I enjoy it. I, I like helping people and teach, teaching what I know and watching them improve. I think it's a great Great awesome. by what you tell them, I mean, and I do have quite a bit of people that look up to me locally, and I think I wouldn't mind doing it for the future. I think it's a great opportunity to stay in the industry and make some money while I'm
2: at it well, so sure. do, you... do you see any uh long, young little locals around there that are killing it? Is there anyone you're teaching that you see maybe falling in your footsteps and Racing Supercross?
1: Well, uh, not, I not any mean, real young ones right now. I mean I help I worked with Ryan Reese and he actually made his do at... uh. He's the one that crashed in the loop to me at Seattle. Yeah.
0: How many uh how many pa- or how many passes were uh were requested of you at uh, the Seattle Supercross?
1: Um I ended up getting 12 but there was a bunch of requested that i had to tell them i couldn't get it <laughs> mm-hmm. because they only give us a certain amount and gotta go ask for more
0: Fair enough.
2: but well so with uh with vegas um what's your goal what's your uh do you want to try to get in the top 10, or what's your realistic goal? Are you changing up anything now that you you know, coming off a good race in Seattle? Did you learn anything different that you can kind of carry into Vegas and you know, hope for the uh, same results, if not better?
1: Yeah, I think um, stuff I always need to work on is just being fast all 15 laps, and that's something to definitely work on, being in that same pace all the way to last class but that's the main thing I need to work on. And uh, my goal is just to uh, do better than I did last week if that makes sense. I mean yeah for 14, sure. progression. Just, I just if I just do a fourteenth I'll be happy.
0: Absolutely. Well, yeah. Even if you have a, a better ride to get fifteenth, or you, you you get it in a more spectacular fashion, maybe get yourself on TV for all the good reasons, not the bad. That uh, uh, hopefully there's no there's no crashes uh, that that happen, but uh, hopefully you can make a splash and uh, and 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 put in a good ride. Um, and uh, going forward to uh, the rest of this or the the last round of the series, hopefully that you'll be able to be able to. Uh, Maximize your potential and uh and secure that uh top because I believe there's a the, is there a championship payout for top twenty?
1: Um in the four fifty class there is, but the T V D F class there's not. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Well Yeah, they're quite they there, say, but Yeah, they say since it's a regional series
2: they don't do a payout.
0: Oh, but you guys get national number points.
2: Yeah, exactly. Another way yeah. to Some
0: stuff doesn't make sense. Fair enough. Well, uh, thanks for spending so much time with us uh, this evening, and thank you for being so patient uh, with us. uh, um, As we're uh, we're a little bit late calling you this evening, Uh, it's just about uh, the, well, I guess it's um, just about 10 o'clock your time over in Spokane. We appreciate you uh, spending about an hour uh, speaking with a couple of uh, Canucks. Up here in Canada, wanted to talk to you and get the spiel on your whole uh your your program and things that you've got going in the works and uh uh the season that's been so far t- in two thousand and fourteen. Uh are there any uh extra sponsors you'd like to thank? Any special special mentions you'd like to make before uh we wrap the sucker up? I uh, just
1: I mean, I'd like to thank all the sponsors I have previously listed and just just everyone that's ever supported me and got me to where I am now. I mean, I appreciate it. There's a bunch of people that can't even nail them all off that's been behind me. Truly, really, I mean, they got me to where I am today and couldn't be here without them.
0: Excellent. Yeah, well, th- thanks again. And uh, on behalf of the the Big MX Show, we appreciate you spending some time with us tonight.
1: Oh, no Thank you, guys. And hopefully I'll come on again sometime. Definitely. Yeah, we'll man, have you. Sure.
0: Uh, we'll, we'll definitely have you on again. Uh, Yeah, so thanks again. Perfect. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Big MX Podcast brought to you by X-Brand Goggles. Be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.